Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at the Citizen Action of Wisconsin. We are fortunate to have our whole panel with us this week. That means Claire Zopke, our Healthcare Director, is with us. Claire, good to have you. Good morning. Good to see you. And Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action, is with us. Robert, good to have you. Good day, and I would say good day because our radio audience hears us in the afternoons and evenings on different days. And I just want to remind our listeners, we are actually still all recording from our home, uh, and that is because COVID-19, of course, continues to be a major concern here. But with that, let us get into uh, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start by uh, updating and talking a little bit about what's been going on nationally uh, in Congress uh, in terms of providing federal COVID relief. We talked about this last week. Uh, both of you made uh, I don't know, predictions or your best guess is what you thought was going to happen. Uh, we are a week later. Uh, nothing has happened. And basically, it looks like uh, if something doesn't happen, uh, President Trump may step in and pursue uh, his idea of what should happen. Okay, Claire, uh, last week you thought it was a possibility that uh, the Dems might have some leverage and we might actually be able to get a deal. Uh, hasn't happened, but wanted to hear an update on your thoughts and just sort of uh, see wh where you think this might be going. And then Robert, you go right after. Um, yeah, I mean, I still, I'm still hopeful that, I have no idea how long this is gonna take, but I'm still hopeful that um, some sort of package might come out um, and, you know, maybe it'll look like a small mini package where they just, you know, first send out, um, you know, just the pieces that they agree on, like the next round of stimulus checks and some sort of compromise amount extension of the unemployment benefit while everything else gets hatched out for a bigger bill, right? Um, so I think that there's a number of different directions that, um, that this, this could go. Um, I think that Donald Trump taking a... Um, more direct role um, or inserting himself more directly into these processes will not speed it up. I think that is, I think that would just cause more confusion. You know, I, I think it'd be a case of too many, too many cooks in the kitchen and not all of them like each other. So it's even worse. Right. Um, so, so I'm still hopeful that we'll get something. I just have no concept of, of how long it's going to take. It's also worth noting that the sort of, that the general government appropriations process is going on in the background of all of this. So, um, you know, Congress needs to reach a budget deal to extend its, um, its its funding for the federal government by October. And so we know that's going on in the background as well. Um, and, and But, you know, this COVID relief package is taking up all the oxygen in the room. So I'm a little bit nervous about how that appropriations process is going to go as well, since it's sort of happening outside the public and even most of Congress's attention right now. Look, I think there has been movement, Matt, uh, uh, McConnell has basically backed off saying that he needs Democratic votes to pass this. And Nancy Pelosi understands that means she has even more leverage that he came over his caucus. And he has said that he will agree to anything that's agreed to by Trump. So it really is a negotiation with Mnuchin and Meadows from, from Trump. And let's face it, they're calling back to Trump all the time. So he is involved. And they're moving on certain issues. They've moved from a $200 to a $400 offer on uh, the unemployment supplement. And they've moved from it lasting until 
September or October to it lasting till the end of the year, at least into December. And so that is progress. And Pelosi is turning it down. And here's why. She has the leverage. She has two-thirds of the process. And it's their read that this is the only bill that will move for the rest of the year. And so if they do not give state and local governments and school districts the resources they need, that'll be it. And they're going bankrupt, and they have to have uh, balanced budgets. Uh, and it's, it's devastating to relief. And they, we have to have the money for contact tracing and testing and all of that. And she is insisting on the 600 because it's popular and the polls are with them. So I think if this takes an extra week or two, it's worth doing because it's the last bill. It'll help people more, and it can be retroactive. So that's horrible, but frankly, that's what's necessary to back down this malignantly right-wing Republican Party that is where Trump is a symptom of it, not its cause. Look, most Republican senators apparently, uh, a huge number, will not vote for any relief, including the limited relief offered by Trump and McConnell. Robert, I was so hopeful last week, and you told me I was kind of silly for being hopeful, and now you're sounding so optimistic right now. I I was just... Claire is just about to go uh, uh, McLaughlin group. I declare Claire the winner. Claire was right. So, uh, Robert, I, I, that was an excellent summary of what, what I think has been going on. And it's going to be fascinating to see. It is interesting that Trump is trying to publicly say that like, he is totally against where the, what the Democrats want. But I tend to agree with you that it's really buff for them if, if states and locales don't get these resources in addition to all these people. So... Robert or Claire, final thought. Look, Matt, so um, Trump is yeah. Trump is unstable, so it could not happen. But Pelosi and the Democrats should do what they're doing anyway. You can't give in to his instability, the old Kissinger Nixon madman theory. Uh, obviously, both of you make you, you make excellent points. We're going to obviously continue to watch this. It's the most critical thing happening, and uh, we'll see if uh, there's any news uh, next week on this front but we have got to talk a little bit about uh what some some news this week politically here in the state one is uh biden announced that he will not be coming to milwaukee to speak at the dnc this is not a big shocking news uh and of course stating that the COVID 19 crisis makes it such that it is not safe um and the other big news and want to get uh panel's comments on this is uh kanye west the campaign got incredibly serious here this past week, including Kanye having a lawyer that is out of the Trump campaign and uh, actually submitting signatures this week to try to be on the ballot this fall. Robert, I know you have some thoughts. Well, Trump is a minority president. He got 46 percent in 2016, which some people who track polling a lot think is his cap. And so he needs not to have a one-on-one with Biden. And in 16, there were third-party candidates that siphoned off just enough votes for him to eke out Wisconsin, among other things. And so if this lawyer is connected to the Trump campaign and to the Walker establishment, a defending Walker uh, in his John Doe uh, 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 scandal, because he really did violate the law, and is connected to the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, now, whether they succeed, we don't know. And they obviously, maybe Supreme, when um, Warren McCunday, when we talked to him later, would have had a thought, think young African-Americans might go vote for Kanye and might not know that he's a forever Trumper uh, and a man, apparently, who, ha- who uh, has some mental health issues. 
So despite his, you know, excellent, his, his fantastic artistic career. So that's where it is, but it's, this is usual Democrats that do this kind of thing too. So I don't think we should just rise to the level of the dirty tricks that, uh, that Trump is pulling in other areas that are, that break all norms. Claire wanted to see if you had any thoughts on this or, um, any, anything else related to, uh, the election? Nope. Not worth much more air time. <laughs> there you go. Um, it is worth pointing out, it was released this week that a number of municipalities are struggling uh, to get poll workers. Um, and Governor Tony Evers announced yesterday that uh, he will be calling up the National Guard to help at the polls this week or next week with the primary, um, which uh, seems like a really good thing uh, to make sure that the primary can go off as smoothly as possible. And it is worth pointing out that a number of places are trying to open as many polling uh, places as possible. A lot of municipalities are. Um, so uh, it is a trial run for the fall in that regard, because certainly in April, a lot of municipalities significantly cut the amount of polling locations that they had available. Um, wanted to see if the panel had any uh, any thoughts or any other uh, further uh, thoughts we have, we have since we have a minute on that. Otherwise, I'll just wrap it up and we'll go to Supreme. Uh, oh, it's cool. I, I could say something that Claire doesn't want to know. I said Claire wanted to say go, something. Go Robert. Yep, go Robert. No, Claire okay. said wrap it up. Okay. So. Right. I think anything that keeps polls open is useful. I hope, yeah, but I certainly hope the National Guard come unarmed because that's certainly not necessarily a welcome sight in a lot of communities of color. Uh, so assuming this is handled well and it doesn't look like a, you don't make the uh, polling places look militarized. I, I do want to point out Milwaukee is actually one of the cities that is not currently on a list of having polling poll worker issues. That doesn't mean there may not be some, um, but there are a number of communities around the state that are. So, Robert, you raised a good point. But with that, we have got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Assembly Assembly candidate in uh, District 17, Supreme Moor Umakunde. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We are really fortunate to be joined by Supreme Moor Umakunde who is our endorsed candidate in State Assembly District 17. Supreme, it's great to have you. It's great to be here, Matt. Good seeing you again, even if only virtually. Yeah, apologize. We are dealing with just the technical issues today of uh, working remotely, but we're really, really happy to have you. So, Supreme, tell our listeners a little bit more about why you're running and uh, and why this race is, is super important for State Assembly here in Milwaukee. Well, uh, for those listeners who do know, I'm currently a county supervisor, Milwaukee County supervisor, and I've been one for five years where I chair the Committee on Health and Human Needs, and I sit on the Budget Writing, Finance, and Audit Committee. And there's a, been a lot of great work that, uh, that I've been a part of at Milwaukee County that I've worked with some of my colleagues on, and we've done some great things. I think that the things that I really want to do when it comes to expanding health care, when it talks about housing equity and uh, dealing with climate justice um, and economic equity really has the state answer. Uh, and so I need to, I've gotten my chops up 
And uh, I've really done some great things. And I, I still have a passion to deal with these things. And it happens at the state. So uh, I'm going to stay to the state of Wisconsin to continue some of the great work um, that was started by the previous office holder, who's now the county executive, David Crowley, and also to uh, bring my brand of leadership to the, uh, to the Democratic caucus and to lovingly nudge our governor uh, to do some great things as well. Robert, you take the first question. Okay. Supreme, thanks for being with us and thank you for running. Big question I have is, I feel like the level of representation that is needed in communities that have been cut out of American prosperity and have the uh, horrendous criminal justice structural racism system imposed on them and have a much higher COVID-19 death rate, like the north side of Milwaukee, that they need a very exceptional level of representation more than some of these privileged areas where maybe they can just mail it in. I'm not recommending that, but I'm just saying. And it seems like we need serious social transformation. You can't answer these problems by small little, uh, we, we reduce the increase by X amount of this budget line in, in a state budget. And we don't really get that from state Democrats right now. I've been saying to folks that uh, the Biden wing of the Democratic Party is now substantially left of the Evers administration or the caucuses, as far as the caucus leadership goes and their positions in both the Assembly and the Senate. So I wonder if you agree with that analysis, uh, that bolder leadership is needed, and uh, how you would go about it. You talked about doing it with love, which is a very intriguing approach, as opposed to throwing bricks at the governor's mansion or anything of that anything like that right um thank you for that question first and foremost and yes i would agree with you uh that there we are in a time the times have found us if you will and we're in a time we, we can do some great work and some great things and it's very evident that change is needed um people often use the word reform um i don't like to use that word uh reform because it just changes uh, the shape of something or the appearance of something without changing the core essence of what it is. Um, and so we need to, like you said, transformational change in certain areas, and it really takes some a certain type of leadership. People always ask me, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to Madison? And my typical response is, I'm going to go and learn, uh, you know, how to do the job, how to do it well. Um, some of it I think I already know how to do. However, I'm going to go in, and we have to set priorities within the caucus because there's a chance that we'll be in the minority. However, we have to set our priorities on what we're going to fight for. So when we can get the majority, these are the things that we're gonna legislate on. Um, and some of that loving, loving nudging will happen within the caucus as well to talk about what our priorities are and what the people actually need and what the people actually want. People who are out in the streets right now, marching four, six, eight, ten 10 hours a day, don't want you to just uh, shift something a little bit and make it appear different. They want things to actually change. And I think we're in the time that we can actually make that happen. So um, I'm glad to be in this time. I was born for this time and I'm glad to be present. So um, I, I love that. I love all of that. Um, I know that talking to voters right now is more challenging than in traditional times. You, just, you know, you just can't get as physically close to folks. 
And so you said that one of the one of the biggest things you said people ask you is is what are you what's the first thing you're going to do when you go to medicine? What would you say is like the biggest issue that you are hearing from folks in your district? Right, like what are what are folks calling on their elected official, their next um, state assembly rep to do for them? Well, I think that it's really important that folks in uh, the 17th Assembly District don't want to be left out of, of the conversation. We're hearing um, about COVID-19. We're hearing about uh, uh, climate justice. We're hearing about all of these CARES Act and HEROES Act dollars that are coming back to Wisconsin and all of the resources that are swirling around the state. We don't want to be left out. We don't want to be paying $400 million more in taxes than we did 10 years ago. And then when we ask for some of it back, they tell us no and then say we're actually going to take more. We don't want to be left out of uh, the resources. People want they, they, the people who haven't worked want their stimulus checks. People who um, are, are, are not getting their resources from Madison or from Washington, D.C., they want them. Um, when it comes to uh, enjoying all of the wealth that's generated, we don't want to send it somewhere else. We want to enjoy it. And so we don't want to be left out of the conversation. If I could wrap everything up into one small phrase, we don't want to be left out of the conversation, is what I would say when it comes to public safety and a number of different things. Because someone always has something different to talk about on doors. Um, one time I talked about um, a woman asked me about some legal trouble she was having and if I could help her with that. And I said, well, I'm not an attorney and you should probably call one. However, people talk about what they want to talk about, but it's all wrapped up into not being left out of the conversation. Robert or Claire, uh, one more question. So what are you hearing from voters that would might surprise us? There's also the speculation about how people are feeling in a community like uh, the north side of Milwaukee, where most African-Americans in the state of Wisconsin live. Uh, but and probably you might even be surprised because you're doing massive voter engagement, even though you've been representing that area for a long time. But any thoughts you have that would help us and our audience understand uh, where folks are coming from right now, what they'd like to see from their government? Well, uh, I think what what I've been surprised to hear is that uh, uh, people are disengaged to a certain degree. Um, even with the great representation that they had in David Crowley, people are still a bit disengaged. I had one individual, a couple of individuals actually, but I can remember one time a woman told me, she said, uh, uh, the thing is, is that you're only going to come around right now because it's election season. We're not going to see you anytime um, from here on out. And she said, I'm going to vote for you, but I'm going to vote for you just so I can, you know, talk about you when you don't come around next time. And so, um, uh, and, and I told her that I'm, I'm still going to come around. If you know people that I represent in my county board district, they see me all the time. I'm very accessible. And however, she wouldn't buy it. And there were a couple of people who did that. They're very disengaged. So I think it's my job um, as the next state representative to ensure that I stay engaged with people and that people feel engaged and that I'm connecting people with block clubs and uh, organizing councils, neighborhood councils, resident councils, et cetera. Because one of the things that I always tell people, if they say there's not enough being done around him here, the first thing I ask is how organized are you? Do you have a block club? Do you know your neighbors? Do you all meet regularly? Do you have conversations? And I want to make sure that as they have conversations, I'm coming back to have conversations with them and with these groups. So uh, the organizer in me never dies. And so I'm always like, okay, well, let's get organized then. If you feel like your elected officials aren't talking to you, because so they'll, they'll come and talk to a bunch of you, not just one of you. So Supreme. It's a critical point, right? There, I was going to say it's a critical point 
they uh, people are understandably cynical about government because of the way it's functioned and how it hasn't worked in the public interest. And so part of your job as progressive legislators is to rebuild that confidence. So Supreme, it takes people power to help get elected. It also takes a little bit of resources. But uh, if folks want to get involved, right, you have a very important primary next Tuesday, right. August 11th. I'm sure there's opportunities for people to get involved and help you get out the vote. How um, how might they get in touch and go about that? What are the opportunities? Well, we're, this weekend, we're going to be uh, having our GOTV weekend, um, getting out the vote. And I really want people to come out and help us lit drop. No knocking. I don't want people to come in contact with people as much as they possibly can. We're going to be dropping signs. Um, we're going to be phone banking, et cetera. They can contact me at info at supremeforassembly.com, or they can go to www.supremeforassembly.com and just send a note and say, I want to help volunteer. We'll be doing lit dropping shifts this weekend, just dropping, no knocking, and in some of our, our, our favorite wards. And uh, we'll be calling folks. And a lot of mailers have gone out and, and, and we'll be doing text banking, et cetera. So Give us, you know, give us a, a buzz, too, at, at 414-944-1069. Number again is 414-944-1069. And we're going to have a great time this weekend, and uh, we're going to march on to victory on Tuesday. Well, that's great, folks. Please get involved. Help out. Uh, use those contact infos. Uh, and we want to thank you, Supreme, uh, for running. We need leaders and uh we need your leadership but also want to thank you taking the time this morning to join us here at at the uh, battleground wisconsin podcast thank you and with that we got to take a break we'll be right back you're listening to the battleground wisconsin where citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org welcome back to the battleground wisconsin again we're citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org we want to thank supreme moore for joining us in the previous segment and we are super excited to have another guest another endorsed candidate here at citizen action joanna bouch who is running in state assembly district eight joanna thanks for joining us hey matt thanks so much for having me i'm on the podcast on other times but it's so cool to be on uh, wearing my candidate hat well so uh, obviously as a candidate Tell us a little bit more about, you know, why you're running and and what you're hearing in the district. And right, we've got a primary coming up. So give our listeners a a little bit more flavor about your district and why you're running there and what you're hearing. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. uh, We have a primary coming up this Tuesday, August 11th. Don't forget to vote. We got early voting going on right now. So I'm running to represent uh, Assembly District 8, like you said, which is located on the near south side of Milwaukee. This is a supermajority Latino district, um, a growing African-American community in this district, um, definitely deep uh, Polish roots in this district. So it's a very diverse district. You know, we have a lot of folks here. And, and um, if folks recognize my name, Joanna Bout, um, I am a perfect mix of uh, Southside, right? I got some, Bol- some Polish, some Latino, some German, right? I'm a perfect Southside mix, and I'm honored to be a candidate to represent this district. Um, and so I'm running because I want to bring more power back to the people, right? I want to bring all the power back to the people uh, where it rightfully belongs. Um, you know, we've seen um, 
my district uh, often forgotten about. You know, one of the things I talked to voters about, I just talked to this woman yesterday, and she told me that she considers our community uh, the forgotten because she feels like we don't get enough resources in the near south side. Our communities don't look as nice as they could. Um, and, you know, she wonders why. She just doesn't know why. She's a homeowner. She's been in the district for 40-plus 40, 40 years. Um, and she wonders why her community doesn't get as much love as she sees in um, some suburban communities right next to Milwaukee. Um, and so that's really the root, the roots of all of my conversations with folks, whether it's related to uh, unemployment, um, not being able to pay their rent, right, not having a job that provides a livable wage. All of those things stem down to, like, why is our community forgotten? Why, um, why are we considered the forgot about? Um, and why are these neighboring communities doing so much better? You know, that is a, I feel like that's a refrain that we also heard from Supreme when he was just on. And I, I think it shows um, how um, communities, especially communities of color in Milwaukee, can, can feel disconnected from power in the state government. So, so Joanna, I'm hearing from you that your constituents want a strong representative in the legislature. What are some of the first things that you want to champion? What are your policy priorities when you get there? Thanks for that question, Claire. So early on when we announced the campaign, we put out a press release stating that one of the first bills that I plan to introduce would overturn current Wisconsin state statute that allows for disgraced law enforcement to continue to draw a paycheck, right? And so we announced the campaign, you know, right early on during the um, outrage about the George Floyd murder, right? So right on during the, the introduction of this movement that we're seeing um, visually, right, in our streets every single day, you know, I'm referring to the protests that we're seeing, right? And so for me, it was important to address, you know, the police brutality that communities of color are often um, facing at a higher rate than our, um, you know, white communities, right? And so I said earlier, this is a supermajority POC district, right? So this was absolutely something I wanted to address immediately. So like I said, one of the first bills I want to introduce will overturn that Wisconsin state statute because it's just not right, right? Like, how can you be somebody that's facing murder, right? Like right here in our own community on the south side of Milwaukee, not the near south side, but um, Jose Acevedo, Joel Acevedo was murdered by um, law enforcement officer Michael Mattioli, uh, and he was charged with murder. And Michael right now is sitting at home, continuing to draw a paycheck, basically on a uh, paid vacation, right? I mean, wow. You know, I had the honor of speaking at a couple protests that went through my district in near south side to talk about how Black Lives Matter talk about how black queer lives matter um and i absolutely am um wanting to address these issues once i'm in the legislature as a top priority you know and then after that what's the number one conversation going on at the door is the impact of covid my community is seeing um the rise in cases um at an alarming rate right the 53215 district is uh, a community that's hit hard that's being hit hard by covid you know, I was just watching the news earlier and what it's like, Wisconsin is seeing 57,000 cases 
884 new cases, right? Numbers aren't going down, right? They're going up and they're going up here at home in my community in the 53215 zip code within the Latinx community. And, um, you know, I want to do everything I can to make sure that our government is funding the resources that my community needs, that regular people need, that the working class needs. You know, um, I'm running to represent a district of working people, right? Um, people that don't have the luxury of sitting on Zoom calls, right? Like we're doing. You know, I was I was talking to somebody about how I've been working from home since early March, right? Not a lot of people in my district can say the same thing. They get up every day, they put their uniform on and they go to work, right? So where are the resources and services supporting them? Yeah, because the legislature's been totally absent, right? I think what you're pointing to is that, you know, the legislature hasn't come back in session in months and months. Meanwhile, these numbers get worse. So I think you're right. I mean, our communities deserve legislators like yourself who are actually going to address this issue. Robert? So, Joanna, I'm going to ask you a similar question to what I asked Supreme Maura Makunde in the last segment. Uh, Governor Evers right now is to the right of the mainline Democrats of Joe Biden. Joe Biden has moved left and has taken on a lot of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's ideas. And the legislative caucuses are the same uh, for the Democrats, the minorities in the Senate and Assembly. And what you're pointing to is the need for much bolder action that actually addresses not just the immediate crisis, but the underlying problem. Because as you know, there are structural issues here, such as the kind of jobs people have access to and whether those jobs are safe, right? And uh, that whole division. And if you agree with my analysis, what might you do as a young state representative, because they often try to say, get to the back of the line, we run things, we have these committee chairs, uh, to get them to at least be as bold as uh, as the, the Democratic standard bearer, Joe Biden? Yeah, I mean, you know, like what Claire was saying, absolutely, I'm disappointed in our Wisconsin state legislature, right? Like, uh, the GOP um, is 100% responsible for their lack of taking this pandemic seriously. Um, and so when I think about being in the, le the legislature, it's not just it's not going to be just about pushing Republicans and um, forcing them to have these conversations with us. Right. It's going to be about uh, pushing on my Democratic caucus. Right. My Democratic colleagues to have these difficult conversations. Right. We know that. uh if we were having the right conversations, we would be seeing, you know, different legislation. Um, so obviously some of these things aren't being talked about or they're not being talked about enough. Um, and so I just plan to be loud as hell, you know, like I plan to bring the conversation and bring the facts and bring the people. You know, I believe that this campaign has the power to engage, um, you know, and expand uh the vote here in this district, right? We have an extremely low voter turnout in the 8th district and the near south side, the lowest voter turnout in the entire state. And I think that this campaign is going to rally some new folks, some new folks to the polls and continue to grow the people power, which is going to continue to push um, not only the Republicans of this state that have been vicious and very nasty, um, but also our Democratic colleagues. Well, Joanna, we want to thank you for joining us and, of course, want to thank you so much for running. Uh, but before you go, let our listeners know if they want to get involved and help you this weekend, how they do that. Yes, Matt, thank you for bringing that up. Please, folks, 
this is a people-powered campaign. Um, this campaign from the jump has been fueled by the energy uh, that have come from friends, families, neighbors, supporters all across the state. Um, and so if y'all want to continue to keep pushing with us to please volunteer um, to make phone calls, to drop door cards. We're having um, GOTV volunteer opportunities all weekend up until Tuesday. You can visit our social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Joanna for WI, or visit our website, Joanna for WI.com. And that's spelled out, F-O-R. So Joanna, F-O-R-W-I.com. Thanks, y'all, and I'll see you on the campaign trail. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are really happy to have more guests with us uh, for this episode. We are joined by Voces de la Frontera. We have Executive Director Christine Newman-Ortiz with us, and also the statewide organizer for the Central Worker Rights Campaign, Mario Ramirez from Voces is joining us. Thank you both for joining us to give us an update on what has been going on at Strauss uh, here in Milwaukee, but more broadly, what's been been going on as it relates to a lot of essential workers uh, here in a number of our uh, industries in Wisconsin. Uh, Christine, why don't you uh, give our listeners a, a quick update on sort of what's been going on? Thank you, Matt. Um, and since the pandemic started, Bolsas has um, responded by creating an essential worker rights campaign and building out an essential worker rights network where we have been helping workers file anonymous complaints with OSHA and the health department and uh, really bringing these cases forward in, in all cases, which um, to date, it's around 20 of them now, primarily in the food industry. Uh, we see the same things being asked for in terms of protections against COVID-19. And these are always initiated when someone gets that get work and people are, are definitely feeling that they're not being protected, that the, that the rules are not being implemented and they're at risk. We've actually had in that time two workers um, die because uh, while they were fighting for these um, changes to be implemented. The Strauss fight is a frontline fight. Um, we desperately need people to come and join us at a picket line uh, on Friday. Because um, this is one where we're, we had filed a complaint on their behalf in late April. And to this date, actually, the company has not yet implemented the um, six-feet distancing rules, has inadequately provided paid the two weeks paid sick days. Some workers have only been paid um, uh, a week. Uh, so there's inconsistency there. They were never paid um, hazard pay. And then they were abruptly um, fired after... Uh, most of these workers have between um, 10 and 23 years of work here um, by, by a Social Security no-match letter, which is not supposed to be a basis to um, re-verify someone's work status. It's not to make assumptions about that. It's to help a worker. Uh, it's the, the responsibility is to inform a worker and to let them um, provide any information. Uh, yet the company has wielded this as a tool of retaliation against workers who've been fighting for COVID-19 um, protections. And because uh, there is a HR person, Cheryl Weitzman, who since she started there has been harassing and profiling Latino workers there. So we are 
in this fight. It, it's a campaign that we intend to continue, but we know that um, we are also in conversations. Um, obviously, there's a UFCW is uh, doing negotiation stuff. They are, we are for legal reasons. They are not a part of our kind of pressure um, campaign. But it's um, these are critical fights, and um, and so conversations are continuing. So it really makes a difference for people to weigh in um, and support the struggle, so workers can win justice. Hey, Christine, that was a great overview. Uh, I'm just wondering, and I know we want to get to Mario, but how this fits in even more broadly to what's being done uh, to direct line essential workers. I mean, the biggest, most splashy thing is Donald Trump apparent deciding that uh, he didn't need to make it safe for workers, but he had the mandate they go in. And we know that uh, Latinos have the highest transmission rate, not the highest death rate, but the highest transmission rate of COVID-19 in the country and in the state of Wisconsin. And that's not because of what Speaker Voss or the Chief Justice Supreme Court said, that it's somehow cultural. It's literally because of the, the structure of our economy and, the, and these folks being forced to work under these conditions in order to support their families. So do you see this connecting to the broader demand that we really restructure the whole work and the economy to, uh, along the lines of real racial, racial justice? Um, good morning, Robert, and thank you so much because, yeah, there's no question that the larger context right now is also the failure of the um, federal government under the Trump administration and at the in terms of the Republicans here in Wisconsin who have failed to implement the CDC OSHA guidelines as mandatory. That's the problem. Uh, so workers are inadequately protected and are literally getting away with murder. Uh, that's why the community piece is so important and why elections matter. Um, the other piece, of course, is that um, the inadequacy around access to health care and cash support. We know that Latinos um, are disproportionately part of the essential workforce and are going to be affected. Many live in multi-generational households, so that means uh, more people are going to get sick. And issues around immigration status, which we know is long overdue. Immigration status, frankly, is part of the answer that we have needed. And again, everything's so acute now during this pandemic. Everything we need is now more acute than ever. Um, you know, access to healthcare for all, immigration, good immigration reform that provides, you know, uh, equality, um, uh, economic support for everybody. Um, so those are the things that we need because right now, for example, if you live in a mixed immigration status, the fight right now in Congress is to not exclude uh, mixed immigration status families um, or frankly immigrant workers themselves who we know are part of the workforce and don't have access to unemployment, so they contribute to it don't have access to federal health care so, or state health, uh, public health care. All of those things mean that COVID-19, we cannot get a handle of it till everyone is safe and protected. So, Mario, um, you are leading a statewide effort to help organize uh, workers and help organize the community and support. Tell us more about 
how folks can get active, get involved. And obviously this Friday there's, there is a, 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 an event, but uh, tell us more about how people can get involved and help fight for workers and fight for equality and equity in the workplace. Um, I think it's really important to be involved, to support uh, those workers because uh, in, in that way we can let know to the company uh, those workers not alone and they, they have a support for the community because uh, today is um, they are, tomorrow can be ours, right? So in this case, it's not, uh, they're not alone. Uh, they have a, um, the support from the community and that's really important. It's gonna be uh, this Friday at uh, 11 a.m. in 6,000 uh, West Ryan Road in Franklin. So we're gonna march for around 12, 14 minutes. And I believe the company is really uh, nervous about this because uh, uh, it's the first time um, they know that workers are united, really uh, fighting for what they really deserve. So yeah, we are with them and we will fight uh, to the end because uh, um, as a worker uh, rights uh, organization, we have to support them. Uh, if if uh, I think Mario's right, if I were them, I would be nervous too, knowing that that the people were so organized, especially if it's the first time that they've that they've um, faced such an open challenge. Um, can you reiterate one more time for folks if they wanted to to support you? Um, you know, what would be would, would be the best way? Would you, do you want folks to show up? Do you want folks to, um, you know, elevate your work online? Like, how can how can folks support your movement across the state? Uh, I think uh, right now it's important to test the work with uh, the other people and, and come to join us. It's really important. Uh, I think it's another way to support the workers too. I, I can, Christine, can you help me to say what's the other way to support them? Yeah, I mean, if, if people are not able for different reasons to join us on this um, picket line, I want to make sure people know we're going to ask people to bring their masks and to keep a six feet distance. There's a Milwaukee County Sports Complex where people can park and then walk over together. Um, a uh, the other way is that obviously people are unemployed right now. They, you know, you've got like some are single moms. One, one of the workers um, has just been diagnosed with cancer. So these are, you know, tough times to be mistreated. And um, so we have been providing some support through this emergency fund that we created so people can contribute and even tag it specifically for the Strauss workers. Uh, so that's uh, one uh, very important way. And then the other way is, is two other ways that people can put pressure. Today, we will be creating an online petition that will go to Strauss. And we are going to be rolling out a petition to their suppliers. So, for, for example, um, Piggly Wiggly is one of the companies that buys their products. And this is a company that prides itself on treating animals humanely. And so we are saying... You know, for these essential workers who've worked average of 15 years for you through this pandemic, no hazard pay, have got, were exposed to COVID-19, were unprotected. Um, you know, you, you've got to do right by them and you've got to hold that hand you have. 
So those are ways that super important ways people can put pressure on the company from afar. And, and it's a small thing, but it'll add up if all of us throw down. And we need to win these fights. Each and every time workers stand, stand up, and many don't, we have to win these fights. Well, we want to encourage folks to get involved in this fight. We will share those petition links as they come out. We want to thank you for joining us today. And of course, thank you and VOSES and for leading this fight and uh, making sure that uh, workers have a voice. And hopefully we can, as you said, Christine, let's win this fight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And with that, we have got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we want to thank Christine and Mario from VOSIS for joining us. We want to thank Supreme Moore Makunde. We want to thank Joanna Bouch. Oh, that's a lot of guests. It was a great week. We'll see you next week. Again, folks, get out and vote. Get out and get active. Help people. Go to Franklin, 11 a.m. on Friday, and then get out and do stuff for candidates who are going to help change the world. We'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.